you can open up in your Bibles to James, the first chapter. James chapter 1, there was a man who came into a Lutheran church and he asked to see the pastor and he said, Pastor, my dog died and I would like to have a Christian burial for him. The pastor said, I'm sorry about uh, your dog dying, but we Lutherans don't bury or don't have funerals for dogs. He says, you might try the Baptists down the road. They'll do just about anything. <laughs> man turned and sadly said, well, I'm sorry that you won't bury my dog, but I understand. Before I go, can you just tell me something? I wanted to leave a memorial for my, my dog. And I was just wondering, is $10,000 an adequate memorial to leave for the church? <laughs> Pastor said, wait a minute. You didn't tell me your dog was Lutheran. <laughs> oh, my. Yep. How we can change what it is that we heard. Now, some of you may have been expecting a, a Judgment Day story. To go along with the events of the weekend. But I received a, uh, a message from Brandon that told me that if I couldn't come up with a good Judgment Day story, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> oh my, did you find James chapter 1 yet? We've been looking the uh, last couple of weeks at a uh, aspect of this this thing, you know, all the, all the time that we're in a series, we can be on one series for generally a half a year. But every time that we're in that one series, there's always divided up into different segments. And the segment we're in right now is the area of of faith in the heart and faith in the head. And as we set out to to get in this, and the reason that we are in this section of of teaching is because you know, my wife and I both felt. Uh, independently, but we came together and talked about it, that uh, as far as our church, we needed to know more things in the area of faith because too many of us are believing with our head and not with our heart. Now, notice I didn't preface this with other people in other churches in other states. I'm talking about us here. And so I set out, I said to God, I said, you need to let me know as clear, I mean, I can tell Generally, I can tell head faith from heart faith, generally. But I said, Father God, you need to make it so clear to me that I can spell it out so that people will be able to understand as clear as they could with, with uh, doubts in your head and doubts in your heart. How many of you all have that understanding? Doubts in your head, you think thoughts, but as soon as you speak it out of your mouth, it becomes a doubt of the... Heart. And that's pretty easy. That's pretty clear. We can understand that. So I said, with, with the area of this, of faith in our hearts and faith in our head, it needs to be that clear. And I need to be able to come in here and, and to do this. And we've uh, been meditating on that for a while and bringing out some things on it. And we uh, hope to have uh, all the things from the previous ones up on the web pretty soon so that you can go back there and, and go over them. But as I was in the shop working on some, some bunk beds, listening to some things. Somebody went over a verse, and I began to think about that verse for a little while. And then it hit me as I was studying on this verse that, what this meant as far as we were concerned. 
as far as us understanding the difference between head faith and heart faith. The verse that I particularly came to was James chapter 1, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be what? Blessed in what he does. How many of you all want to be blessed in what you do? Isn't, if we get to the place where we are blessed in what we do, then we're moving mountains. We're, we're getting healed when we need to be healed. Financial miracle when we need financial miracle. We're blessing others. We're laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Isn't that, isn't that the case? This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, specifically, what is that talking about? Blessed in what you do. Whatever it is you do, right? Does it mean your job? So you can be blessed in your job. Because it's something that you do. How about wisdom? Understanding? Is that something that you do? How about the study of the Word? How about laying hands on the sick? How about understanding the times and the things that are going on? Whatever it is that we do, we can be what? Blessed. Blessed. <laughs> but it's, here's the requirement. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he does. We entitled this. What was that again? What did you say? And is not a forgetful hearer. Too many times, Christians, we are, forget, we are forgetful hearers. We, can, we should not be. A forgetful hearer. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this will be blessed in what he does. So first off, we need to look into the perfect law of liberty. You need to get to the Word. You need to study the Word of God out in the thing. You need to look at it. You need to open it up. But then he goes on, and continues in it. Is it enough to look into the Word and to have seen the Word, to have read the Word, to have heard the Word. Is it enough? No. What must you also do? Continue in it. And we're going to get back to that in just a minute. So we need to look. We need to continue. And, which means you also need this. If you have an equation of 2 and 2 is 4, but you skip the part of the end two, is that equation right? No. So, you need to be looker into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. So, we cannot forget the things that we hear. And it, lastly here, does it. This one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he does. So, am I one who forgets? Most of us would say no. Right? No. I remember. Well, the opposite of one who forgets is 
One who remembers or one who continues, according to the Word of God here. But certainly one who remembers is, is uh, adequate. But one who remembers is one who continues. One who continues. How many are all familiar with the 202 project that's going on around? How many have encountered road closures because of it? We, and, uh, you know, we've, we see the signs. Sometimes they put up a sign. Almshouse Road will be closed on whatever date. And sure enough, come that date, Alms House Road was closed. I know because it was going there. And it was closed. I had to go another way. I heard it, but I forgot. I've read the sign, but I forgot. I'm going on down to Alms House Road. It's, oh, it's closed. I can't go that way. Got to go another way. How many of you all know where the construction is for the 202 project? And if possible, avoid it. Now, for most of us, we avoid it because we got stuck in it. Right? We may hear people say, oh, that 202 project, there's all kinds of delays over here. But until I get stuck in it, I haven't truly heard it, have I? <laughs> and then once I get stuck in it, and I try and do everything I can to avoid the 202 project because I don't want to get stuck in it again. Then every time I'm coming near that area, what goes on in my mind? 202 project. Construction. Road closures. Stay away from here. And we begin to circumvent it and, and go a different direction, right? Right? Every time that we circumvent the 202 construction, what are we doing? Continuing in the thing that we heard. Right? As soon as I don't continue in it, what happens? Oh, and we don't like delays, do we? Delays are not fun. Oh, delays are just, they're just no good. Especially when you should have remembered and you're sitting there and you're saying, I knew better. I knew not to come this way. I knew not to be on this road. And here I am. And we yell at ourselves and we exhort ourselves because we did not continue in the thing that we knew, in the thing that we heard, in the thing that we looked into. So we do it all the time. The problem is, folks, we're doing it with the things of the Word and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Now, here's a question for you. How long? I actually had this in your outline. I had to take it out because I just had too much to put in there. I had to take a number of things out. Maybe I'll give them back to you. How long do you have to walk in a truth to be considered to be continuing in it? Now, before you answer this, because you're going to answer it right. I know it. You're going to answer it right. But just understand, you don't live it that way. Come on. Brother Hagin would say, either say, oh me or amen, one or the other. <laughs> but we'll answer this question right. But we will not live it that way. We will live it a different way. The correct answer to this question is, how long do you have to walk in a truth to be considered to be continuing in it? Always. Always. Once I learn it, I must continue in it. There is no stopping to get up. You stay 
on it. You continue because it doesn't say continue until. It says continue. Which means if it says to continue in it, you continue in it. If I stop continuing in the truth, what happens to this verse? It stops being in effect, right? What is the end result of this verse? This one will be blessed in what he does. If I stop continuing, I stop the end result. How many times have we said it? Don't raise your hand. Inside hands on this one. How many times have we said it? But I did that for a whole year. <laughs> what did we do? I continued in that for a whole year. Where did it say in the Word? And continuing it for a whole year. How long was Abraham required to continue in faith? Always. How long was Joseph required to continue in faith? Always. How long was Moses required to continue in faith? Always. How long was Jesus required to continue in faith? How about Peter? How about Paul? How about John? Then why are you the exception? You have exempted yourself from continuing on. You have hit a roadblock. You have hit a stoppage. And you have said, well, I will continue in this until. I will keep going in this until. But I've done that. But I've been. The opposite of one who forgets is one who continues. One who continues. I'm not forgetful. I remember. Think of some things that you continue in. How many of you were little and your parents told you, do not touch the stove. It is hot. We heard it. Right? But when did we really hear it? When we touched the stove and it was hot, we heard it. We heard it different than we ever heard it before. And now all of a sudden, we are continuing in a truth. Right? I, I am, I'm going to continue in that. But we don't always continue. We find excuses. We find reasons. And then if someone points out, you're not continuing the truth. I am too. Look at what I've done. Look at what I did over here. Look at this. Right? I think I told you this story before, but when I was over at Ken's Pizza, making pizzas, and, you know, and working around in there, I told you the story how I felt like God missed it, not me, God. By leading me there. And, um, you know, it, it certainly it shaped up and it, it turned around and we lost our manager. And for a brief little bit of time, we were the only store without a manager. Our store ran without a manager and without a supervisor. The crew ran the store. For, for quite a while until they found somebody to replace the manager that they abruptly fired. And so... The area general manager, who was a busy man in his own right, came in, and wa- came in every once in a while and stopped in to pay us a visit, see how things were going. But our store had the ability to run without a manager. Our, all the employees, we took care of the ordering. We took care of the scheduling. We took care of the money. And they trusted us. But the area general manager came around. And so he was around a lot more. 
And because he was around, I was only there about three or four months at this point. But he got to know me. I got to know him. And I got his attention. And before he left, I had a raise. And the new person coming in said, promote him. He needs to be trained on this or you need to do this. And I was a shift supervisor and I was an assistant manager in no time. Just moved right on up in the thing. And I was doing well. Not only did I have his attention, but he told people in the, in the whole company who I was. What I could do for this company. They were impressed. And they, uh, they got to a point where when I left, when I finally said, all right, God has called me to, to go and I have to, to leave and go over here, that the area general manager sat me down with an offer to make me stay. It was a really nice offer. A really nice offer. It was an offer that I never would have had want for anything. And I was comfortable in a job for the rest of my life. I would have been done. And he said, if that's not enough, you let me know. Because we want to change your mind. We want you to stay. And so, um, I say all that just to tell you this part. There was a situation that came up after the area general manager and I had gotten to know each other very well. And I don't even know how long it was into my tenure there. And where there was a power outage in the city. And sales for a lot of businesses were affected. And we got a phone call about it. And I was the one who answered the phone. It was a reporter. And they asked some questions about it. And I answered some of those questions. But I gave away too much information. Now, most people wouldn't have thought too much about the information that was given away. But it was Ken's Pizza's policy not to say certain things. And I said, area general manager, who likes me, <laughs> came on into the store. I said, Stephen, I need to talk to you. Come on over here. So I came on over there and sat on down. And he told me, did you uh, say this to this reporter? Yes, sir, I did. You know, that's uh, against policy. Um, I guess I wasn't thinking about the time, but yes, sir, it is. It's against policy. And so he told me, he says, well, this is what we're going to do. He said, I want you to go in the back room, and I want you to pull out the security tape, and I want you to go over it today, tomorrow, and the next day. I've already gone over the security tape. I knew the security tape. I have to help other people understand the security tape. Do I have a leg to stand on? No, sir. What did I not do? I didn't continue. I didn't continue. I stopped continuing and what I knew they wanted. Believe me, we didn't have a second time. It's not going to happen again. Continuing is continuing. It's not taking a break. It's not stopping. It is continuing. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, this one, will be blessed in what he does. If you want to be blessed in what you do, here's what you've got to do. Look into the law of liberty. Continue in it. Don't forget it. And do it. How do you know that you are not forgetting the things that you've looked into? How do you know it? If you know it. If you can prove that you heard it. Know how? If you do it. 
If you are not doing a truth, you are not continuing in it. It's simple as that. If you are not doing it, you are not continuing. You've stopped continuing. If you're not doing it right now, you stopped. Well, but you don't, it don't matter. You stopped. He says, continue. Continue. Some of you uh, husbands and wives out there, when you got married, you were supposed to continue and be faithful, right? Is there a but? An except? <laughs> no. <laughs> continue. You can't go up to your husband or wife and say, well, you know, I've been continuing except for, because then you didn't continue. You stopped. God wants us to continue in the truth that we know. Don't be a forgetful hearer. A forgetful hearer is not one who didn't hear. Understand that. If you heard, you, you're, you, you're, you can be a forgetful hearer. A forgetful hearer is, is not one who didn't hear. You heard. If you didn't hear, you're ignorant. Fortunately, that can be changed. That can be helped. But a forgetful hearer is not one who didn't hear. They may even be one who walked in it. They may even be one who walked in it for a time. But they did not continue. Now again, inside hands, how many of you can think of times, things you learned in the Word of God, faith walk, whatever it might be, whatever, love walk, forgiveness, whatever it might be, you've learned some things and you got discouraged because you were doing them and doing them and doing them, and it didn't happen. Come on. I know I have. Oh, man. They did not continue. What causes forgetful hearing? What causes us to be forgetful hearers? Are these all filled out in blanks on yours? I almost left all the answers in there. That would have been a bad thing. Because then you all would have been jumping ahead and looking at that and not paying attention. And then you wouldn't have been a forgetful hearer. You just wouldn't have heard. <laughs> now, we've got to hear. What causes forgetful hearing? First off, difficulty. Oh, it's so hard. Man, I, I understand what he's saying to do, what she's saying to do. I understand what God said to do. I understand it, but oh, it's so hard. Do you know how hard it is to love people who act like that? Do you know how hard it is to love people who are... Relatives? I mean, in-laws. Really? Do you know my neighbors? Do you know how... This is hard. This is tough. What do you mean? Continue loving them. No. I, they're lucky. I don't just beat them up. Slap them. We were listening to a tape yesterday and we, we heard somebody talking about... Was it the... Spirit of slap came on him. Was that Andrew Womack? Yeah, it was Andrew Womack. He said the spirit of slap came on him. <laughs> he was over there at Grace Fellowship. We were listening to, to one of the things he was doing. You just want that spirit of slap to come on you for somebody, don't you? <laughs> hmm. Well, because it's hard, because it's difficult, we can sometimes not continue. Because it's hard. It's difficult. Right? Now, when we used to, um, 
when we were training, when we were cross-country guys up there at school, and we were up there in New York, and New York has some nasty winters. You think winters are nasty down here? Up there it's nasty, and we were up at the top of a mountain. If there was wind, we got it. And we got generally more of it than, than most people did. And so running in the wintertime was not particularly fun. There's no races. There's nothing really to shoot for. And so, you know, you, you, what do you do? So we had to, to do things to, to overcome this. I think I told you the story one time. There was a buddy of mine. And we got the idea of the inspiration. How can we keep this going? How can we make this work? And so we challenged each other. First person who puts on sweatpants loses. So we didn't always run with each other. But we always reported each other because all the cross-country guys, we sat at the same table. And so, did you run today? Yeah. Did you put them on? No. And so we were out there, we run in shorts all winter long. Rain, snow, it didn't matter. Because there was no buts. There was no, all right, first person until. And I, the most memorable day I had for the entire winter was one day the chill factor was below minus 10. But, well, I'm sorry, below minus 20. The temperature was below zero. So the chill factor was colder. Then I heard the wind moving around the building because we were on the, this year, that we were on the third floor. And I heard the wind howling around. And the one thing I did not want to do was put on shorts and go outside. Did not want to do it. Did not. But all I kept thinking about was, I can't show up at dinner. Because you see, if you don't run, that's just as bad. You wimped out. You didn't put the sweatpants on, but you, you, you lost. So I put on my shorts, put on my shoes, and I headed out to run. And I got my run in. I came on back, doggone if he didn't do it too. <laughs> so nobody won. Nobody won that winter. But you see, what we did was we made something difficult harder because by making it harder we went after it differently and when you got used to running in in temperatures like that with wind oh when it was only five degrees out it was piece of cake it's like oh this is going to be so much easier the word of god says that when we have suffered a while there are some things that are going to happen that are difficult but that gets you ready for the other situations. Just because a thing is difficult doesn't mean you can stop continuing. You must continue. To this day, I haven't been running as much anymore, but to this day, I have never, ever put on sweatpants to go run. There's not a single day in my life since that year that I've ever put sweatpants on to run. Whether it was raining, whether it was snowing, no matter how cold it was, never did it. Because the difficulty of our challenge that one year made everything else seem easier. You're going to run into some difficult people that are going to make it hard for you to walk in your love, but you continue with them and the other ones get a whole lot easier. Become a whole lot easier. You need the difficulty. It's okay. God says you're going to suffer a little while. It's all right. Good. It's good to suffer. It's good to suffer. What causes forgetful hearing? First off, difficulty. Secondly, dissuaded. I put the definition of this because not everybody is familiar with this word. It's not persuaded. It's the opposite. Dissuaded. To deter by advice or persuasion. Persuaded not to do something. 
How many times have you been walking in faith, walking in love, walking in forgiveness, and something or someone came along to dissuade you? Why do you believe in God for that? Why are you loving that person? Don't you see? We've been dissuaded to deter by advice or persuasion. And then we become dissuaded and we stop continuing in what we know. It does not matter how many faith sermons you have heard, how many love sermons you have heard. What matters is, how long have you continued in it? How long have you continued? Remember, it didn't matter how much I knew about security. It didn't matter how much the people in the company liked me. What mattered was, did I continue? And I did not. Third, disbelief. I don't really think that's going to change anything. Maybe I don't even get started. But how many times have we been walking in a truth, a faith truth? Been walking it, walking it, walking it. And all of a sudden the thought starts coming in. Has this changed anything in your life? Aren't you still suffering with this thing? Aren't you still feeling the pain? The sickness? The disease? Isn't that still going on? Well, yeah, I, I guess so. It's not changing anything, is it? Well, I guess it's not. Disbelief and I stop. Did I continue? What did I become? A forgetful hearer. Because a forgetful hearer is one who does not continue. Now, see, it's important that you understand that a, a um, forgetful hearer is one who does not continue. Because if you just think that a forgetful hearer is one who doesn't remember... Uh, you see the difference? I may remember something, but that doesn't mean I'm continuing in it. I've got to continue. Difficulty, dissuaded, disbelief, fourth, disregard. Well, I don't think that's so important. I know I've heard that. I know people have talked about it. I just don't see how that's that important for my life. I don't see why walking in love should hinder my prayer. So I'm just going to go this way. I don't see why being selfish would affect me. No, I'm just going to... We, we disregard it. We, I've seen this... i heard this truth. I've heard this truth tied in with this area. But I'm not going to continue it because I just kind of disregard it. I don't really see that this is something I need. Another one, neglect. How many times have we just neglected something? How many of you all have plants in your house? Is not the goal of a plant to continue... Isn't that the goal of a plant? You buy the plant to continue. That's what you want. You want the plant to continue on. Do you have a lifespan for that plant? I just want the plant to continue. Just continue. Just keep on going. But what happens if you neglect that plant? You don't water it. You don't do whatever the plant needs you to do. What happens? Plant doesn't continue. It stops continuing. Also known as death. Died. Plant's gone, man. It's, it's history. Leaves turned yellow. Stems got all dried out. It's done. Neglect. Difficulty. Dissuaded. Disbelief. Disregard. Neglect. A lack of understanding can cause us to not continue. Especially when we have one understanding 
and we walk in that, but the understanding is wrong. Right? We, if we don't quite understand it correctly, now we had all these folks who were looking for the world to end, not the world to end, but Judgment Day to start yesterday. And they were expecting not to have service today, but, you know, there's, they're in, imagine the service, Brandon and I were talking about that, and, and we, we decided that would, that would be a fun service to be in. How many would like to be in the, the Judgment Day service today? <laughs> I mean, what do you do? What do you say? First off, you didn't make any plans for the service. But now you're going to have service because I guess they have service. I don't really know. They have buildings. Imagine they have service. Maybe they just get together to repaint the trucks. Maybe that's what the goal is to do. But just think about this. Think of all the billboards that are now freed up. Maybe we should go out and get one of those billboards, huh? <laughs> All right, that's somebody's assignment here. Go out there and find a billboard we can go get. And we'll put a different message over top of it. But you see, they, they had a what they thought was an understanding of the thing, right? And for some of them, I, we read some of the stories, you know, where they, they sold houses, they gave up jobs. They paced out their, the money that they had so that they would have no money by the time that this day came. But these are people who sold out, didn't they? They put some of us to shame. They continued in what they knew, didn't they? I'm sure they had people who said they were nuts. But they continued. They gave up. They were more, more dedicated sometimes than we are. But they continued all the way on up there. Now they find out that their understanding was incorrect. And how many of you know they may not want to continue? They want to stop. See, sometimes we've had a lack of understanding in an area of faith and it hasn't worked, it hasn't worked, it hasn't worked, it hasn't worked. And then we, we have a problem. Now, these are some things that they didn't make your outline. But they, they made my notes. But not the notes that I have down here. These other ones. Shop. Shop notes. Notes with sawdust all over them. <laughs> if you are doing the right things in faith, if you are doing the right things in faith, you need to keep doing them and not doubt and quit, right? If you're doing the right thing in faith, you need to keep doing. In other words, you need to continue. If you are doing the wrong thing in doubt, what should you do? You need to discover it. You need to first off discover, I'm doing the wrong thing in doubt and quit. And take it up again in faith. Satan gets us to think doubt is faith. Satan, he wants to get us to think that doubt is faith and to keep going. He wants us to continue in the area when we think Doubt is faith. He wants to encourage us to continue. And continue. Because he knows it produces nothing. Satan gets, uh, Satan gets us to think about... Satan gets us to think doubt is faith. And to keep going. He wants us to get to a place where, where your faith isn't working. Your faith isn't working. Eventually we just quit and give up. But he wants to continue us to go on because he wants us to be as discouraged as possible. 
in pursuing this area. Because we think it's faith, but it's doubt. It's not what we saw when we looked into the, the Word of God. When he sees faith, he wants to get us to quit it. But when he sees doubt, he wants us to continue on. And he will encourage and help us with that. Continue to make sure that we have wrong understanding. And feed that wrong understanding. A lack of understanding is a problem. You need to get in there and get the understanding of the thing. That's why continue to hear, hear about it. There are some stories here at church we've gone over and over. How many times have we gone over the woman with the issue of blood? If you're tired of it, you don't get it. How many times have we gone over blind Bartimaeus? If you're tired of it, you don't get it. See, I've taught this to you all those times, but I've also studied it before. And if I hear somebody who starts teaching on the, the woman with the issue of blood, I get excited. Oh, good. You're going over that one. She's good to listen. Oh, I want to see. What, what do you got in there? I get excited because I want to. Oh, show me something more. Let me see something. Go over. Just go over this stuff. Am I continuing? I am continuing that. All right. That's good. Oh, I let that one go. Oh, I need to pick that up. I, I didn't continue in that. I like hearing, hearing things like that. Difficulty, dissuaded, disbelief, disregard, neglect, lack of understanding, and finally failure. Failure can cause forgetful hearing because it failed. We got to a point where I just, I quit. I've tried it, been working at it, it's not going. I am going to stop, which means I'm not continuing. Here's some phrases for a failure. I tried that. No, right away, failure got them to stop. Failure got them to stop continuing. Here you go. I'm already doing that and it's not working. Failure got them to stop. You cannot make the statement. I'm already doing that and it's not working and be continuing in the truth of the word. You cannot make that statement. You cannot think that statement. You surely cannot say it. Y'all still okay? Well, I wanted to go on back here and take a look at the whole context of what this verse was in. In James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. What's it mean to endure temptation? He did not say succumb. He didn't say blessed is the man who succumbs to some temptation. He says blessed is the man who endures. In other words, they keep coming at you and coming at you and coming at you, and you keep enduring. Now, we, we have a few shows that we like to record over at home, and my son and I like this one. My wife does not. We think it is hysterical. We cannot wait until it comes on, but this last week it was not fun. We didn't like it. We actually turned it off early. It wasn't good. But, oh, most of the time we're watching this show, we, did, we laugh, we have fun, and it falls right in line with this. How many have ever seen the show Wipeout? Oh, is that not fun? Oh, I mean, the stuff that they come up with to knock these people senseless. It's just wonderful. <laughs> you just see these people. If you haven't seen the show, you know, they, they have the, the ramp and they have the runway and the guy is running full board on down and all of a sudden something pops out, hits him in the face and he goes flying backwards into the water. Changes the entire direction of his movement. 
It's not like it knocks him off. It stops his forward progress and sends him in the opposite direction in an equal velocity. They had at one time where they were climbing up steps and on the other side of a step covered over by a pad was a boxing glove. And that boxing glove came over and whopped them. They didn't even know. They had their eyes up. They were looking up. They had to get a hold of this hook. They were trying to get the hook. And as their eyes are up here looking at the hook, this thing comes and whops them. And it hits them and they go tumbling down the stairs into the water. <coughs> one of the other ones we really loved was this one that had the bowling alley. Anybody see the bowling alley one? The bowling alley one was phenomenal. I should just go on greatest hits right there. Just put that right up there. They had these two bowling balls, and as the people are getting ready to run across, the bowling ball start coming down the chute. And they're looking at the bowling ball, trying to avoid the bowling ball. I'm gonna, this is not gonna get, I see it, I see it, I know what they're doing, it's not gonna get me. And they're avoiding, and their eyes are on it, and they're avoiding, and all of a sudden, out from the place they're walking is his pad that comes, whop! And they're not even looking for it. It just whops them and sends them in the next week. And that's just the first section. And then they continue on and continue on. And, you know, you get through the first one and they wipe out about half the contestants. And then they get to the second stage and they wipe out another half of the contestants. And they get to the third stage and they wipe out some more. And they finally get it to where they have it with three people are competing, and they all have to endure the final things, and they have to do all this stuff. And you look at some of the faces, and they're just exhausted, and they're tired, and they're cold, and it's wet, and it, oh. And they have to climb up these steps, and what is it? How many gallons is it? 50,000 gallons of water, something like that, gets dumped on top of them while they are climbing up the steps. And then when they get up the steps, they have to slide down the, the slide and time it right so that they land on the platform, because if they don't, they go right into a wall. Slide right into the wall. And then they have to get up and climb the steps again. And get doused with 50,000 gallons of water again. And then come down the slide and time it better this time. And then after they do that, the next one's harder. But when they finally get to the end, there's one person who makes it to the end. And what is it they get for? Is it $50,000? $50,000 they get for enduring all that stuff. How many of you all want more money than that? This is not enough. This is not enough money. We need more money. That 50000 is not doing it. I'm not going through that. But the idea is the one who endures, the one who continues to the end and does it in the fastest time, that's the one who's going to be the winner. And these folks endure all kinds of stuff. I mean, being battered. And you would think, I would think, that after a few things came out of nowhere and whopped me and sent me in the next week, that I'm slowing down, I'm becoming more cautious. No, no, not for these people. My, oh my. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Enduring temptation is when they dump 50,000 gallons of water on you while you're climbing up the steps, you don't stop. You don't succumb and fall into the water. You endure and you keep on going. You keep on moving. Keep on going. So if you all tune in, wipe out, you think about this. <laughs> Blessed is the man who endures, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. How many of you want the crown of life? Oh, yeah. You all want that? Then you've got to endure. Yes. This is not a crown for wimps. Don't get up there and say, well, I did endure, but, you know, it's just that. Uh-uh. 
Uh-uh. No. Keep going. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. How do you endure temptation? You don't give in. You keep going. How many times have you been tempted to doubt God? How many times have you been tempted not to love the people around you? How many times have you given in? You didn't endure. You endured when you didn't give in. When you kept on going. When the doubt is knocking on the door and you say, I'm not letting you in. I will continue to believe. I'm not doubting. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God doesn't attempt. God does not throw these things. God has not put stuff out there to see how enduring you are. God has not said, well, let's just see how good they are. I mean, Gabriel, go out there and let's hit him with some stuff. Get that tank filled with 50,000 gallons of water. Dump it on them. They're not expecting this pad to come out and whop them. Make it happen. One of the episodes we just watched recently, everybody's, I don't know if you're, they're all starting to get wise to the pad that comes out from nowhere, and all of a sudden the floor drops out. They're running along, and all of a sudden they're not running on anything. It's just gone. <laughs> Who creates these things? You know, it's just... Mm. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by God. No. By Satan. No. How? By his own desires and enticed. By his own desires and enticed. You cannot blame the devil for not continuing. And you surely cannot blame God. All that you can do is blame yourself. Why did you give in to doubt? Why did you give in to not continuing in the word that you know? Why did you do it? It's real simple. Because I wanted to. No, I don't. I didn't want. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You desire. The reason that you doubt, the reason you speak doubts out of your mouth is because you want to. Because you're tired of going the way of faith. Because for whatever reason... You decided to give up on it and you went this way. This is the only reason. It's because you wanted to. That's why you went there. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to be there. It don't matter if you didn't want to be there. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. You cannot be tempted. We said this to you before. But you cannot be tempted by what you don't want. Right? Unless you want it, you cannot be tempted by it. I've used it when we said this before. I've used the example of alcohol. Alcohol does not tempt me. There are some people who, you know, a bar is tempting to them. Having a beer, drinking, it's tempting. Oh, I got, oh, I got to resist. I know it's not. I shouldn't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to go this way. I'm not going to go out. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. No. For me, it's not a temptation. I despise it, and not for any religious reason. It stinks. I do not like it. I don't like the smell. I, don't, I just don't like it. So, am I going to be tempted if somebody comes over and gives me some whatever they have for drinks? No, it's not tempting. Now, there's some people who, who give it into some habits. They picked up some habits. Those cigarettes are, are, are habits sometimes people have picked up. But I can't stand the smell of it, so it's not tempting to me. In order for something to tempt me and pull me in, I must... Desire it. 
You know, it's so stupid when you watch some of those shows and the guy has an affair with somebody, he comes to the wife, oh, but she didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Baloney! <laughs> the reason you were tempted, the reason that you went off was because you desired it. Don't tell me that kind of stuff. That's ridiculous. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. In order for me to doubt God, there is something in me that wants to. I don't want to doubt God. Yes, you do. Because somehow you got the idea that I am fighting this thing. I am believing for this thing to be gone. I am believing for this thing to change. Whatever the situation, whatever the mountain you need moved. And you don't see God moving. And so you desire to get mad at God. You desire to let, I'm righteous, God is not. Obviously, God messed up on this one. Right? <laughs> Remember we were talking, giving you that, that uh, part with Creflo Dollar last week? Brother Creflo, and the thing he was saying, he's ministering on the love of God. I think if you go on YouTube and you do Creflo Dollar, the love of God, it'll come up. It was a good message. I enjoyed it. And I was telling you that one liner that he had, that Satan does not come and try and cause you to question your love towards God, but God's love towards you. Remember that? I, that moved me. I, I enjoyed that. I, I heard that one. Yeah. See, this is what he wants to try and do. He wants you to think, God doesn't love you. Look at what he's letting you go through. Look what he's having you endure. God must not love you. You wouldn't do that to your kids, would you? No, I wouldn't do that to mine. Why is God doing this for me? And we think that God ought to move because I have a desire or need. God does not move because you have a desire for a thing or a need for a thing. He moves because you have faith. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Get that verse. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We have brought death into a lot of our situations simply because we have not followed what this verse is said to do. Then when desire has conceived, it gives, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Is he being clear? Every what? And every is from above. If it is not good and it is not perfect, is it from above? No, because God does not tempt anyone with evil. He says he cannot tempt anyone with evil. God does not tempt anyone with evil. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And there's the process he gives you. He says in verse 16 again, Do not be deceived. Why does he have to say that? Because too many Christians in his day, and certainly in our day, are thinking that when bad stuff happens, God put it on them. God brought it. Well, God must be allowing this for some reason. How many times have we heard that out of Christians' mouths? And what does James say? What's he say? Don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, he didn't just say every good and perfect gift, did he? 
He said every good gift and every perfect gift. If the gift is good, it's from God. If the gift is perfect, it's from God. If it's not perfect, if it's just good, it's from But if it's evil, not from God. Don't be deceived. In other words, Satan should never be able to get into our lives and tell us that anything bad, anything that's not good, and anything that's not perfect is from God. Should never be able to do it. How many of y'all know he's done it? What did we do? Became a forgetful hearer because we did not continue in the truth that we saw. Well, say amen or oh me. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights from whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, God does not make mistakes. God does not... Oh, why are we here? (laughs) Oh, did I do that? Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creation. Now, blessed is the man who endures temptation. He didn't say endures sickness and disease. He didn't say endures poverty and lack. He said in temptation. He says in verse 14 and 15 that you are drawn away and enticed. Now these things give birth to sin. goes on in verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Can you do this? Why do you know that? Because he says, let every man. Now this includes women. (laughs) He's just talking man in a general sense. Mankind. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Every one, all of us, can do this. There are no exceptions. None. Every one can do it. We can all be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. How many of you, when you look at that list, you can you gravitate, one of them is real easy for you. Right? Isn't that true? One of them is real easy for you. I'm sure one of them is real easy for you. You know which one's real easy for me? Slow to speak. Thank you. <laughs> slow to speak, is, it comes easy. I don't have to work at being slow to speak. It's just natural. Now, some of you all have other ones. Some of you are swift to hear. Some of you are slow to wrath. But we all have at least one in there that we are real quick. We can do that easy. But then there's something on that list that's not easy. There's something on that list that we say, all right, I can do this one, but mm, I'm not so sure about this one. Be swift to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. Can you take your pick and decide which one of those you want to do? Let every man be... Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's what you need to do. If you're going to walk in this thing that he's talking... We haven't quite got to that verse that we started off with yet, have we? But we're building up to it. He is building up to this. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Can I have these qualities? Absolutely. I need to look at myself and say, I can be slow to speak. I can be slow to wrath. It can be that way. I can be swift to hear. I can be that. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. (laughs) You can get mad at God all you want to. It's not going to produce anything for you. You can get mad at whoever you want to. It's not going to produce anything for you. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. 
You've got to receive the Word. That Word's got to be received on the inside of you with meekness. But how many times have you heard, especially, for this is step on a few toes, especially when you've been believing God for a particular area and someone comes along and says, you're not doing it right, you need to do this. How many of us want to get our dander up and say, uh-uh, I've been doing it. Uh-uh, I've been, uh-uh, I've been doing it. No, I've been. What are we doing? First off, are we being slow to speak? No, we're being quick to speak. Are we being swift to hear? No, I've shut down my hearing. I'm not hearing that anymore. And slow to wrath? Are you kidding me? I'm mad at you now. <laughs> we've, we've done, we've just blown away all those things. Because he says to receive with meekness the implanted word. In other words, the word of God is designed to come on the inside of you and become implanted in you. And just as the same way that sin, when you, when you follow after temptation, because of your desires, you were enticed, you followed after temptation and, and that seed produced something inside you and it gave birth to sin and death. God says there's an implanted word which is able to save your souls. Instead of killing you, it'll save you. Now, in contrast to that, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. What are you doing if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer? Deceiving yourself. How many Christians are walking in a way that they have deceived themselves into thinking that they are men and women of faith but they're not continuing in the word that they know. They have become a forgetful hearer. They have forgotten some things. They have neglected some things. They have put some things out on the side. They're stuck in the 202 traffic because they were not mindful of staying off certain roads that they knew better. I, I shouldn't be here. I, I know better than to be here. I know it. There's nothing worse than to be, like we said, there's nothing worse than being in a traffic place and you know better than to be there. My son and I were talking about that. He was talking about, oh, I made this, made this uh, wrong turn out of this place. And, and I, so we got on the turnpike to head on over to the, where we were going and got stuck in a, and it took us 45 minutes to go half mile. I said, oh, that is the most frustrating thing. When you were on a road you were not supposed to be on to begin with and the only reason you're on that road it's stuck in that mess is because you made the wrong turn. Only reason. That is the most frustrating. How many of y'all know that is frustrating? I should not. You're all the time saying, I should not be here. I'm not supposed to be here. It was not intended for me to be here. And yet here I am stuck in this traffic waiting for these folks to get off the road, to clear out a way for me to get there. And I shouldn't even be here. If I only made that turn, I would not be here. If only you hadn't given in. If only you hadn't been enticed. If only you hadn't turned off, you would not be here. You would not be in this mess. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you only hear the word and do not go out there and practice it, do not do it. Do not put it to work. If you don't do that, if you are only a hearer, you are deceiving yourself. How many of y'all talk with some people that are well deceived? Oh, I know I'm in, oh, I know I'm in love. I'm in foul. I'm not in doubt. I'm in forgiveness. I'm in whatever. For if anyone, verse 23, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. How many of y'all looked in the mirror today? And you got, you got a point of reference. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Brother, brother Rob, Pastor Bob Yanian, my pastor, was talking about something on this. And he says, do you know that not a single one of you has ever seen your face? There's no one here who has seen their own face. And you're all thinking, and they were doing it in the church, I'm sure, too. You're all thinking, I sure have. It was just in the mirror this morning I saw it. It says, no, you didn't. You saw an image. You saw a reflection. And that reflection is backwards. It's backwards, isn't it? It's not right. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Because you're not seeing it. You're not observing it anymore. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now you see the context of where he says all this? He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, too, too many times, folks, we've looked at the Word and we've, we, all right, all right, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. And then we go away and we forget. Right? I mean, how many of you folks sitting here in church, you know, it's been a, been a little while since you first came in, and you may wonder, did my hair get messed up? Did my collar get ruffled? Did anything happen that I'm not aware of? Does, do I look silly? We don't know, right? Because can't see. But he says, not like that, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. You want to be blessed in what you do? There's your list. There's the things you've got to do. There's the things you've got to focus on. Focus on that. Continue in it. How long do you need to continue? <laughs> Continuing means you don't stop. Continuing means you don't stop. Does it mean to forgive your brother 70 times 7? Does it mean to forgive your brother seven times? If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives, he de but deceives his own heart, this one's religious is, religion is useless. Isn't it interesting that after he talks about these, these things, what you should do, the forgetful hearer, the continuing, the doer, the word, all that. Verse 26, he gets into your tongue. Isn't that interesting? If anyone among you thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but, this, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. What does useless mean? Good for nothing. Zip. How many of you know people have kids like that? I didn't say yours. Others. Good for nothing. How many of you all have cats that are good for nothing? <laughs> How many of y'all dogs that are good for nothing? Good for nothing. I mean, I don't do the thing. Nothing. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is, it is useless. It is useless. You need to bridle your tongue. Verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion. Well, let's get, before we get into that. The reason he gets into the bridle in the tongue is because if you're going to continue in the word that you heard, it's going to have an effect on what you say. And out of your mouth should never come such things as, but I did that. But it's not working. I tried that before. Well, that didn't work so well. Can't do that, folks. We're going to 
embrace a faith project? Embrace it. I know these folks were deceived in the judgment day, but I'll tell you what, some of them went down with the ship. <laughs> but some of us folks, when it comes to faith, we want to have one foot on the boat and one foot on the shore. Some of us want to walk on water while we have one foot on the boat and one foot on the water. Verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Why in the world is this verse here? I mean, this verse just looks like it ought to belong someplace else. Surely, the chapter mark just got misplaced. Surely, James just got distracted for a minute. Why is this here? Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Before he says your religion is useless, now he says pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. All right, let's just do a check. How many people have been visiting the, the widows and the orphans? Anybody out there recently going over the orphanage, visiting the orphans? I guess you all are useless. I mean, look. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In Paul's day, the most troubled people were widows and orphans. Or in James's day, I should say, were widows and orphans. And they were the most needy. Pure and undefiled before God is this. To visit orphans and widows into trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. He's basically saying it this way. Pure and undefiled religion is unselfish and unspotted. Pure and undefiled religion is unselfish and unspotted. Unselfish in that you don't just do things because it benefits you. How many times we, when we're going to do something, we look, well, is this, do, I, do I get benefit from this? All right, we already stepped on some toes. you mind if I step on a few more? Are you all okay? I mean, how many of you husbands let your wife change all the diapers or did change all the diapers? You know what? Baby poop is disgusting to women as much as it is men. They don't relish it. They don't like it. Okay, that one went over well. <laughs> why, why is it that the women always seem to be the ones to do it? <laughs> because somebody's got to get it done. Somebody's got to do it. How about the, I mean, washing those dishes? I mean, they're gross, they're disgusting. Why is it always your wife that has to do it? Why is it, husband, you can go on home and make a mess and your wife will clean it up? Hello? <laughs> right? Why are we doing that? You guys too, too good for dishes? Sometimes you guys just need to get in the kitchen and clean off a few dishes. Take care of a few poopy diapers. Do some stuff. No, I'm the man. I was out making money all day. Mm. I, bet your, I bet your wife was out there working some too. She's got to come home and take care of the poopy diapers and the dirty dishes. And cook and clean. Is that unselfish? Then guess what, folks? Your religion is useless. Well, I can go someplace else, find somebody to preach to. I mean, do you want to get the problems fixed or you just want to keep on going on the way that it's been going? Your religion is useless, folks, if it does not cause you to be unselfish and if it does not cause you to be unspotted from the world. Pure and undefiled religion is this, that you do things not because it benefits you, but because it benefits others. And you don't let the world have an effect on you. If you don't, then your religion is useless, right? Isn't that what he's saying? 
If it's useless, what faith project can you take on? The reasons that some of us are useless in our faith is because the Word of God has been useless to change our life. We don't care about other people as much as we care about us. And when the world comes along, we adapt to it. Pure and undefiled religion is this. Unselfish and unspotted. We need to live our life to help other people. Not saying you can't do anything for yourself. But you ought to be focusing on other people. What does your family need? What does your spouse need? What do other people around you need? What are some people around you who are in need that you won't gain any benefit from? Will you help them? Will you help them? Will you step out and do something for them? Will you do things in which there is absolutely no benefit for you at all? If you won't, then your religion hasn't done you any good. That's what James is saying. Don't get mad at me. This is what James is saying. Isn't that what he said? Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You ought to get to the place where you'll do stuff for other people even though it doesn't benefit you, even though it's gross and disgusting. Will it help other people? Will it help other people? And you need to get out there and to do it. If you want to say, my religion, my walk with God, oh, look at the faith man or woman has turned me into. Oh, yeah, well, let's, take, let's go back here to the brass tacks of it all. How you doing helping other people? How you doing with that? If you, go, if you take your family over to the mall and your wife has all three kids, her purse, the beverages, the diaper bags, the coach, and you've got your wallet. <laughs> Come on. Just look yourself in the mirror and say, my religion has done me no good at all. None. Not helping me. You should be over there saying, honey, let me... Let me take the water bottle. <clears throat> Come on, get over there, big strong man. I feel funny if my wife is carrying anything. Now, sometimes I have to be careful because she likes to do stuff on her own. And she carries her own purse. I do draw the line somewhere. She carries her own purse. I do not carry purses. I will hold them. I will hold them. And you will be able to tell that I am holding this. This is not mine. I have, I have a class that I teach young men and women, not young men, how to hold a purse so that people know it is not yours. My wife carries her own purse. I carry my own wallet. <clears throat> Some things you just got to do ourselves. <laughs> but come on, get out there and help them out. If you come on home from a long day, maybe she had a long day too. Maybe you need to do something. Now, we've been picking on the husbands. We can pick on the wives some too. <laughs> Telling your pastor to be careful. I don't know about that one. I'm going to have to look that up in the Word see if that's okay. <laughs> now, now, wives, there are some things that you can do. I mean, if your husband is sitting down watching a ball game, it is not time to talk about your relationship. Isn't that right? I just, that is not the time. <laughs> there are some things, you know, 
We, we men have our caves that we like to go into. I know that it's, it's, it's been said over and over and over again, but a man is perfectly capable of thinking about nothing at all. Perfectly capable. Capable. I know that you women cannot do that, but we men are very good at thinking about nothing at all. Nothing. Zero. When we go into that man cave, there is nothing. And sometimes you women have to understand, all right, he's different from me. He's thinking about nothing at all. We've got to understand each other better. We've got to be working on this thing. Stop going after everything the way it's going to benefit you. That's not the way that we're to walk. You need to live your life to help other people. If you're supposed to be out there helping widows and orphans, folks, shouldn't you be helping your spouse and your kids? Shouldn't you be putting some time in to help out those things? If your religion can't change the way you are to your spouse, then how good is it really? Well, this will be a good message to somebody. <clears throat> hey, by internet, somebody will hear it. Hebrews 13:16 says, But do not forget to be good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Don't forget to do good and to share. Husbands, don't forget to do good and to share. Don't forget it. Wives, don't forget to be good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. In other words, if you don't make the sacrifice, if you're not good and don't share, guess what? God is not well pleased. God is on... He's, he is unpleased. How many of y'all don't want to be with an unpleased God? No, no, no. No, we like the pleased ones much better. Much, much better. Glory to God. I can't even get into the rest of the stuff that's in here in the notes. There are some things you can forget. Brethren, I do not count myself, Philippians 3.13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, there's some things you can be a forgetful person about. Forget the things that are behind. Forget them. Forget them. But when the Word of God, when you heard the Word of God, don't forget it. How do you know if you are not forgetful? If you continue. If I stop continuing, what am I? Forgetful hearer. There's no excuses. If you stop continuing, you are a forgetful hearer. If you go home... And you are unselfish to your spouse and family for the rest of the day. And tomorrow you are selfish again. What did you become? A forgetful hearer. Proverbs chapter 4. Boy, I wanted to get into this entire chapter. We're not going to get there. I'll just give you the highlight and you go back on through and just know your assignment this afternoon. Read chapter 4 of Proverbs. Verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. What's he saying? Don't be a forgetful hearer. Be a doer of what you heard. How long should you do what you heard? Always. Continually. Keep on going. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all your flesh. What's it mean to give attention to something? What's it mean to give attention to something? Ninth inning, two outs. Bases loaded. You are down by two runs. The count 
is three balls and two strikes. And the pitch comes in and the phone rings. (laughs) What do you do? You have two things demanding your attention. Which one will you give your attention to? Of course, it depends on how much of a baseball fan you are. Maybe how important the game is. All those kind of things. But you see, that's what happens. When your attention is on the Word, the devil likes the phone to ring. He likes a distraction. He likes to entice you with something to distract you. He likes to challenge the fact that does God really love you? Would God really put this on you if He loved you? Is that really possible? Can you really move that mountain? Can that really be changed? But this is uncurable. But this is unchangeable. But this is unpayable. This is undoable. No one can get that done. Are you a forgetful hearer? Or are you one who's going to be blessed? It's our choice. It's our choice. James says, this is the way. If you want to be blessed. If you want to go the way of being a blessed person. What is it that he said that you needed to do? Look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it. And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, we thank you that we can be blessed in all that we do. I thank you, Father, that you bless us. But we need to do what your word said. We need to continue in the word that we have heard. We cannot let it go. Father, I thank you that you help us to realize those times that we have been, or maybe even right now, that we're walking in some places and we've allowed doubt to overtake us. But we're continuing in the doubt. That we can realize it and change course, quit doubting and pick up faith again. But if we're in a situation where we've been standing in faith and standing in faith and the temptation is to get out, we can endure that temptation. And we can continue doing the thing of faith because we understand your word. We know what it says for us. We give you the praise and the glory for it. Father, we thank you. You are endeavoring to change our lives. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. You don't tempt us with evil. You cannot tempt us with evil. We need to continue in the word that we know. Continue. Continue. Just continuously stay doing the word that we know. And no one will sway us off of it. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we go, we had a testimony. I couldn't read exactly what it was about, but uh, Mom had a testimony. She writes in cursive, and I've, I've given up cursive many years. Once I graduated from high school. <laughs> Gave it up. Um, uh, that may have been just as good. Testimony <laughs> sooner because I would be dissuaded. I decided Friday I can't share. And up until I walked through the doors, I couldn't share. Then we had the praise service, and it was just fantastic. So I said, I have to share. Now I'm dissuaded again. Uh-oh. <laughs> Should we go ahead? <laughs> well, you already committed. <laughs> but I figured after I wrote that. Um, I woke up this morning. My husband had some needs at 4.30 this morning. TV. 
was talking about um, warfare, spiritual warfare. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And we were singing our praises that were filling the air. If our praises are filling the air, these spiritual um, powers have to make way for them. And our prayers go up to our Father. And this week I've been doing an awful lot of praising. Every time I get down, I say, oh, I remember that song. And I open up my songbook from church we went to before and start singing and singing and singing until um, that phase was passed. I went up for prayer last week for my arm. It wasn't my arm. The Lord revealed something to me. When I went home from church, I said it was time to take my pain med. And God says, no, it's not. So, okay, I won't take my pain med. So um, then today I remembered that a few weeks ago, my pain med did not arrive in the mail in time. And I was in a frenzy. Where's my payment? I can't live without my payment. And I was just going on and on and on. And it came, and I took it, and it takes three hours for it to work. So the pain was not in my arm. It was somewhere else. And I hadn't realized I had taken this for many years. When I was 50 years old, I was delivered from all meds. They all went uh, sleeping pills, pain pills, everything went out. How I got hooked on them again, I don't know. Doctors said, you must take this for your back pain, I guess it started with. Well, I haven't taken any pain pills this, pain pills this week. And I've learned, I had a friend call me on Wednesday. Evidently, he saw Steve. And he said, um, how are you doing? So I told him how I was doing. He says, who or what are you depending on? And then I realize where the battle is. It's not my arm, not my knees. It's, you know, heart believing uh-huh. in God that, that he is the one who delivers us. He's the one that takes care of us day by day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the problem. Isn't it? <laughs> All right, well, I'm glad you weren't dissuaded. Glory <laughs> to God. Believing in the heart is the thing that we have to do. Whatever we can believe can be done. There is no God is not married to any kind of a method. God does not care how you get healed. doesn't care about the method that things are used. What He cares about is that it gets done. God wants you healed. God wants you set free. God wants you taken care of. Whatever it is, He just wants to go on. Sometimes we get the idea that the only way God gets glory is if we believe God and it goes away and nothing else happens doesn't matter. God does not care of the method. He cares that you get done. He cares about his kids. Whatever method you can mix faith with, God is right there. He says, all right, let's get it done this way. But understand, there are other, there are other aspects of it. When he says your religion is useless, it means it's not going to do anything. You need to get to be an unselfish person. You need to give yourself to people who cannot give back. And you need to make sure that the world does not rub off on you. The world does not rub off on you. I am unspotted from the world. No matter what the world does, I'm not bringing it on me. 
You do those things. You focus on those things. You'll see a huge life change. But the Word of God, religion as James called it, for lack of a better term, he called it that. The Word of God, in working in you, will have this effect and will change you if you let it. If you let it. If you are a person who is walking about and when you're with the world, you're one thing. You know, like these politicians, when they're in the women's group, then they speak about women's things. When they're with the Hispanic group, then they speak about Hispanic things. When they're with the gun group, then they were talking about gun things. They always change according to the group. You are a Christian. And no matter what group you are in front of, you are a Christian. You are a faith-believing, tongue-talking, baptized in the Holy Spirit, saved forevermore, heading to heaven with a mansion waiting for you, a Christian. And you don't alter the way that you talk. You don't alter the way that you believe, no matter who it is that's in front of you. That's who you are. And you let the world adjust to you. You do not change. You do not compromise on the things that you believe and you know from the Word of God. Make sure that you don't. Don't become spotted by the world. Don't be focused on yourself. Focus on what others need. Practice with your family. Absolutely. But you should be able to get out there and be working on other people that are not related to you and can't possibly bring you any benefit at all.